One announcement I did not make and I intended to is just to remind the church that uh, the arrangements for Miss Glendale Harris' family are tomorrow. Visitation 1130 to 1 right here in the sanctuary, funeral at 1. Uh, Miss Glendale was our oldest church member and uh, she lived just shy of 104 years. And uh, so we are uh, just continue to pray for them. Also, take your Bible and turn to the book of Luke, the book of Luke chapter 19. When you get to Luke chapter 19, you're going to want to go to verse 28 and put your finger there. We will read that passage together in just a moment. If you're using that pew Bible in front of you, feel free to grab it. It is on page 1,210 in that pew Bible in front of you. Now, Whenever you're noticing, you're going, hey, you got a tie on. Yes, I've got a tie on for the first time since the first Sunday in January because of the fall and all of the breakage. It's, it's healing up a little bit, but yes, I tied my own tie, buttoned all thousand of these buttons on this shirt. You know, dress suit pants, they're not as regular as just putting on regular pants. It's, you know, there's lots of extra attachments and gizmos and all that stuff, so I'm thankful for that, but I just wanted you to know that I'm trying my best to get back to some normal things, and, and I'm thankful that I was able to do that. As I mentioned to you, uh, I hearkened back to that fateful date, January the 10th. I last ran on that day. I was running that day when I fell, and on that day, I was two miles into my run before falling, and I didn't make it any further after that. Since that time, since January the 10th, I have not run. I have not played disc golf, and I have not really been able to exercise much at all. And many of you may have already noticed that in that time of uh, 84 days, yeah, you're keeping count, I am, uh, we've also inherited four extra pounds of Jeff. Mm -hmm. All because of falling. But I began to get that itch that I knew would come to be able to begin to do something. And since I yet cannot run, I have begun physical therapy on my right hand. And I've actually graduated this week. They told me I could put a little weight in my hand to do some of this with. But on Thursday, March the 26th, I decided to go for a walk. And I went to Planet Fitness. And many of you have said that you've heard about me being there. And I walked a fairly quick two miles, and I have decided that I made it my intention and my purpose to be ready to walk every single day. And I've not missed a day of walking since then. I've had to walk while we were shopping, or I've had to walk on the streets, or I've gone to Planet Fitness. I have just, on my own road, I've just made it a point to walk pretty quickly to try to do that. And you know, in order to do that, you have to really think about things. Like, I have to make sure that I've got the right shoes. I have to make sure that I have my headphones so that I can listen to either my podcast or the music and things like that. And so you have to be thoughtful about doing things like that. You have to be intentional. Do you know that the word intentional or intentionality has become a buzzword these days? I went online and I just looked up intentionality and I could have bought any number of 25 recent books on Amazon with being intentional as its goal and as its purpose. 
Do you know that without being intentional, things will likely not happen? Intention, the word defined, intentional defined is this, done on purpose or deliberately. Intentionality, I read this uh, paragraph about it, it says, being intentional means making deliberate choices to reflect what is most important to you. Becoming intentional can help you maintain a positive mindset, reach goals, experience more clarity, and to be more present. It can also increase your focus and commitment and bring more purpose and meaning to your life. Well, I had been missing the exercise portion of my life, and so I've become more intentional about doing that. But as we head into Easter week on this Palm Sunday, can I just remind you that Jesus was intentional? Jesus was always intentional. Jesus never did anything that was not driven by his purpose and his love for you. So as we enter this Easter time, I just want you to look and let that be your key word, intentional, whether it be us on Good Friday being together, whether it be us celebrating and doing things with our kids on Saturday, or whether it be on Easter Sunday morning and everything in between. Be looking for the intentionality of God. You see, Jesus was intentional in Luke uh, 9.51. No, I'm sorry, Luke 19.50. He was intentional when he told Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. You guys remember that story, right? Zacchaeus and I think I mentioned him a few weeks ago because every now and then I'd go, oh, yeah, you guys just said was a wee little man, right? But Jesus saw Zacchaeus and he said, Zacchaeus, come down because today I must go to your house. And you know that day Zacchaeus came to know the Lord. Jesus was intentional in John chapter 4 when he stated that he needed to go to Judea, but he wanted to get there by going through Samaria. And on that day... The woman at the well came to faith in Jesus. And I made some other notes, and, and I just had such a good time. I just want to mention to you, God's Word's awesome. And so I spent some time, and I just got my Bible and my pen and my paper, and I wrote all of these notes. They're in here. They're actually my handwritten notes. So see, things are improving a little bit. But I was just, let me just take a moment to hammer home this intentional theme of Jesus. I just went through the book of Mark. Mark 1.15 says, time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. This is Jesus' first sermon. Repent and believe in the gospel. In 1.17, he met the disciples and he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In Mark chapter 1 verse 38, Jesus said, let us go into the next town that I may preach there also because for this purpose I have Come. Same chapter, chapter 1, verse 41, Jesus reached out with compassion and touched the leper and said, I am willing, be cleansed. Isn't it interesting? You always saw this about Jesus too. In that same story in verse 44, he said, see that you say nothing to anyone about this. Jesus had this intentionality. And church, I can tell you, I've got three pages of just going through Mark chapter 9, and I just wrote down everything that looked like Jesus did it on purpose. And you know what I realized? Everything Jesus did, he did on purpose. Everything. 
And so when you read Scripture, be looking for the intentionality of Jesus. And let me ask this question. Are you living intentionally because of the faith that you have in Christ? You see, we have to work at that, being intentional. So let's stand together. We're going to read from the book of Luke, chapter 19. I'm going to read verses 28 through 40. Luke, chapter 19, picking up in verse 28, reads as follows. And when he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as, where as you enter you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it, just as he said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw on their own clothes on the colt and set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he, that's Jesus, answered and said to them, I tell you that if those should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Keep your scripture open. Have a seat. We're going to talk about this for just a few minutes. Now, we are talking about the triumphal entry. This is Palm Sunday, so we're focusing on that. Palm Sunday kicks off the Easter week, this activity where every day in the life of Christ, something happens between now and next Sunday morning on Easter. And we'll talk about that in the many ways that we will gather this week. But it's important to start that if you were to go back, and we're not going there, I'm just alluding to it, but if you're a note taker, you want to write this down. In Luke 9.51, Luke 9.51, to set a broader context for today's scripture, let me read that to you. It says this, now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now, I was thought back, you remember we, at Christmas, it's not been that long ago, we talked about in Galatians 4, 4, it said, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son in the form of a baby. Remember, we talked about that, how there was a specific time that God was waiting on to initiate the activities that would lead to Easter. Well, here we are. And in Luke 9, 51, Jesus said, the time has come. And I need, and it said that he set his face. He became steadfastly oriented toward heading to Jerusalem, which we know was him heading to the cross. So it's important that we understand that when we get to Luke chapter 19, the passage that we read today, we're not, Jesus is just not choosing to become intentional in this moment. Jesus has been intentionally heading to this moment that we're talking about, and Jesus will intentionally walk through this moment that we're talking about, and then everything else that occurs scripturally after that, that has to be seen as being intentional 
as well. So here in verse 28 in today's passage, we see Jesus going up to Jerusalem, the place that he had been aiming to be since Luke 9, 51. Verses 29 to 31, Jesus gives two disciples instructions. Now, I want to encourage you. You want to, I believe you want to, you want to go read Matthew chapter 11. You want to go read Mark chapter 11. You want to go read John chapter 12. For those are the other gospel accounts of the triumphal entry from the other gospel writers that come along with uh, Luke chapter 19. And so we're just focusing on this one, but I will pull bits and pieces from those. But I just want to encourage you to go back and read those. But in verses 29 to 31, Jesus gives two disciples instructions. Catch these disciples. Catch these instructions. Go into the village. As soon as you enter it, you will find a cult on which no one has ever sat. Loose it, untie it, and bring it here. And if anyone questions you, tell them this answer, because the Lord needs it. Verse 32 goes on to say that the disciples obey his command. And in verses 33 and 34, the owners agree to send the cult. And if you were to look in Matthew chapter 21, I said, I think I, think I may have said Matthew 11, but 21, tell us that they went and found a donkey and its cult there. And they were questioned. Why, do you, why are you doing this? And they used the word Lord in response. You see, Jesus, being intentional, knew that this day was coming. Jesus had already worked out the plans with believers in the village to have a cult available on that day in a specific place at that time. Intentional. Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem for the final time, face all of the events of Easter week that lay ahead, and he shows us that it is he that has taken all of the plans to be ready for this moment. Jesus is in total control of the events. We spent some time in small group this morning talking about how Pilate sent Jesus away to be crucified, and we spent some good time talking about that. Do you know that Pilate gets a lot of credit for being the one who might be responsible for Jesus being crucified. We spend a lot of time talking about that in our small group class. Let me tell you exactly who is responsible for Jesus being crucified. And that's God the Father. And Jesus the Son, who willingly... Jesus said, I lay my life down. You don't have to take it. And so church, understand that even, even in that, Jesus is being intentional. Jesus is in total control. Jesus has been intentionally walking to this moment. Now, how do you feel when somebody does something because they have to? Have you ever had somebody do something for you? And you know they weren't doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They weren't doing it because they desired to. They were doing it because they had to. Or how often have you been a person who did something for someone else because you had to? We know how this feeling is, and I need us to understand that Jesus is not doing anything in Scripture in this Easter week because he had to. He's motivated by his love of the Father and his love for you. Because, see, when you recognize, think about this the opposite— how do you feel when somebody does something for you that they've had to really be thoughtful about 
plan ahead about, and they make it all about you. And they make it feel special. Can I just say that's what Easter is? You should feel special. Everything Jesus did, he did for you. Jesus planned it all. So the disciples, they go, they find, they bring back the colt. Verse 35 said that they placed their clothes on the colt and that Jesus sat on the colt and they began their way into Jerusalem because they got to make it from Bethany into Jerusalem. Verse 36, it says, and as they went, many spread their clothes on the ground. Now this event of Jesus getting on the colt, of having planned ahead, is starting to gain some momentum. You see that others are now starting to see what is going on and they are joining in, recognizing Jesus, and it's beginning to draw a great crowd. Verse 37 says, as it continued, as it grew, as it got closer. Look what the people did in verse 37. They began to rejoice and praise God with a really, really quiet voice. That's not all true, is it? It says that they rejoiced and praised God with a loud voice. Mm. Why? What's moving these people to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice? Because they, Scripture teaches us, they recognize who Jesus is and all that he has done. And they begin to worship him and praise him. They see all the intentional works of Jesus. Now, Mark chapter 11 tells us that they laid not just clothing, but they laid down clothing and branches. Matthew chapter 21 tells us that they cut branches down on the road and shouted, Hosanna in the highest. John chapter 12 tells us that these branches were palm branches, and so that's how we've gotten to Palm Sunday. And it's an act of recognizing something great is going on, the clothing. Now, you could go back and take a historical tour about different victory parades and things like this. If you go back to Kings, we find out that riding in on a donkey was the, king, was the ride of choice to recognize kings. Even this is thought out. It's not just Jesus chose any animal. He chose this animal that Scripture had forever said was the ride of royalty. Verse 38, they said this as they were rejoicing and praising God loudly. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. You know what the people were quoting from Old Testament prophecy? Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26, written a thousand years before, said this. Save now, which is what Hosanna means. Save now, I pray. O Lord, O Lord, I pray. Send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. Verse 39, the crowd was great and the praise was loud. And in verse 39, our friends, the scribes and the Pharisees, they rebuke Jesus and they come to him in this tumult. Jesus is riding, the crowds are gathering, the praise is happening, the clothing is going down, the palm branches are being down. They're recognizing, hey, something's going on right here. 
And they go to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, you need to tell your disciples to be quiet. You need to rebuke your disciples. That's verse 39. Now, let's just stop right there for just a second. Let's step backwards. Church, this situation, this Palm Sunday event, this Matthew 21, Mark 11, Luke 19, John chapter 12, this event is the only time in Scripture where Jesus allowed people to make a public demonstration about him. You remember Jesus has already said, I'm doing this, but don't say anything. I'm doing this, but don't go say anything. I'm doing this, and you go dip, but don't say anything. Jesus was always tampering down the noise about him until right now. Until right now. Because Jesus knew, Luke 9, 51, that the time, that it was time to announce himself as the Messiah publicly. Now, he had made a similar statement about himself and I, if you want to make this note, write this down in Luke chapter 4, early in Jesus' ministry. Let me read verses 16 to 21 of Luke chapter 4. It says this, And so he, that's Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, as was his custom was. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And this is what was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus in Luke chapter 4 says, I am the Messiah. Now in Luke chapter 19, he's allowing everybody else to say he's the Messiah. Who do you say Jesus is? Now, Jesus probably allowed this public demonstration for two very specific reasons. Number one, to fulfill Scripture. You see, what's just occurred here in Luke chapter 19 fulfills prophecy from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And it says this in Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. That's also found in Matthew chapter 21. Jesus is doing this and allowing this because it had been planned by God intentionally many, many years prophetically before this. It is Jesus proclaiming to the world that he is the rightful and only king. Now, that's a wonderful reason for Jesus to allow this to happen, but I told you there were two reasons. I believe that the second reason is to incite his enemies, to fulfill prophecy. The second one was to incite his enemies. Jesus was forcing those who had opposed him to act. 
You know, they had previously stated in Matthew chapter 26 that after the Passover was complete, they were going to arrest him. That's Matthew chapter 26, verses 3, 4, and 5. But God ordained a different time plan, and that he said that it is time for his son to be slain on Passover. John chapter 1, verse 29 said, as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That is John the Baptist seeing Jesus early in his ministry going, that is the Lamb of God. Now, if you know a lot about the Passover, and we've talked about it before, you know that there had to be a lamb that was chosen, that was sacrificed at Passover. It goes back to when Israel was set free from Egypt many, many at this point in time years ago, and even more than that from our time today. And it said that Jesus is the, the lamb that takes away the, the sin of the world. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul writes, For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Do you recognize in Scripture that every previous attempt for them to arrest Jesus failed because Scripture said, For the hour had not yet You know, when Jesus plans an event, he has it down to the minute. He knew what day. He knew what method. He knew what was going to happen because it was now time according to the plan that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit had brought to pass. So when they saw this great celebration, they, the scribes and the Pharisees, they knew what Jesus was doing. They knew that Jesus was allowing people to get caught up in him. It even goes in one of the versions of Palm Sunday, they are hollering at each other going, whatever we've been doing is not working. Now the whole world is following him. Now they're exaggerating a bit, but they're saying we've lost control of this. Church, can I tell you that the scribes and the Pharisees never had control of Jesus? Never. Jesus was intentional about all that he did. Scripture says he came at the time. He headed toward Jerusalem at the time. He had the cult set aside at this time. He's entering now at this time. Everything is following the plan that God has set. So I took a time out back on verse 39. So let me take you to that uh, back to there. The Pharisees had called for Jesus to rebuke his disciples. They were asking Jesus to make them, the people, stop praising him, stop rejoicing over him. And here's Jesus' response in verse 40. If they are silent, the stones would immediately cry out. You see, Jesus knew that in that moment that his intentional life lived and given and resurrected would bring forth praise. Yeah. It talks about one of the reasons in verse 37 of Luke chapter 19, that one of the reasons that they were rejoicing and praising God so loudly is that they had seen the mighty works of God. Have you? Have you seen the mighty works of God? Have you come to recognize who God is? Creator, sustainer, giver of life. 
Have you come to recognize His great love for you? Have you come to recognize Jesus intentionally coming to walk this path that He'll be walking on scripturally this Easter week? Have you come to recognize personally the power of God in salvation? You see, I believe the Scripture teaches that when you stop and meditate on, think about the mighty works of God, you will want to rejoice and praise God as well. Now, church, we, we miss out on this a little bit, but these people, they weren't whispering and they weren't bashful. And Jesus said, listen, I can tell them to stop, but let me tell you, now that we've got this thing rolling, the rocks will cry out instead. And church, can I tell you that now that I've come to understand what Jesus has done for me, on purpose, done for me, can I tell you I don't need a rock doing my job? Church, it's time. Have you sensed that God is moving amongst our midst? And listen, if God wanted to move so that we could see two or three or four people come to know Jesus, that'd be awesome. But God's word has already told us his intention. His intention is that all come to know him. So when God starts to move, he's not saying, okay, I'm going to move and this window's going to be open for, for four people, and then once it is, it's going to be closed up. That's not godly. That's not biblical. It's not truth. God's desire is that we faithfully magnify him in this world so that he will then continue to move and draw people to himself. John 12, 32, Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw people to myself. What's our job? Lifters. Lift him up. And Jesus is going, okay, y'all, it's fine. I've been telling you, wait, wait, wait. But now it's time. And do you know that since that time, I cannot find in Scripture where Jesus' word says that we're to be quiet. Once Jesus said, it's out there, let's go. Church, we should be praising and rejoicing. We should be recognizing his mighty works. As I've said, I do not need a rock to do my job. And I'm convinced that so many times, now there again, worship and praise come in so many different styles. I'm not saying we all need to act alike. You guys know me. When the worship begins to flow in my life, so do the tears of joy. I'm not big and loud, but I'm how God made me. And God knows when I'm worshiping him. So regardless of how you've been put together, here's the question. Are you ready to rejoice and praise him for his mighty works? Will you praise him today? This palm praise, listen, God's ordained this. 
There is no better day to have this Easter worship event than today as we head into the week of Easter Scripture. Because it's Palm Sunday, and it will be tonight at 6 p.m. when we all join together right here and we praise a most worthy God. But let me just share with you, when we recognize Jesus' intentionality in everything that he's done, it should make us rejoice and praise him. Let me read from Revelation chapter 7. I'm going to read verses 9 through 12. Revelation 7, verses 9 through 12. Catch this, church. Get this image. After these things I looked, this is John as he's being revealed to by God. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, go and check it out, church, with palm branches in their hands. It cried out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, listen, it's okay to clap. If you're a clapper, it's okay to holler if you're a hollerer. It's okay to cry if you're a crier. It's okay for you to do any number of those things, but here's what is not okay. It is not okay for you to claim to know Jesus as your Savior and not praise Him. It is not okay. So we need to figure out, you need to figure out, I need to figure out what's your worship style, what's your praise style. And it needs to come before God, and he needs to know it's true, and he will. Because he's the one who made you. He's the one who's rising up in you. He's the one who will know the sincerity of your heart, not the methodology of how you do it. He's the one who's worthy. You know, I, I talked about, whew, talked about tying my own tie today, right? Fiddling with all these little buttons, tucking everything in, you know, putting on a good pair of pants and a sweater. That's been easy for about three months now. And then today I said, no, it's time to wear this. Let me tell you what God's telling me to do right this second. And I'm not taking this off as a statement of clothing. I'm taking this off to say, Jesus, you are worthy. I hope that I never hold on to anything when I should be given it to the Lord. Amen. Amen. And I didn't know I was going to do that till right then, but the Lord said, listen, you got clothes. 
lay them before me. He's worthy, church. And he told us today on Palm Sunday, let the world know. Let the world know. You got a week's head start between now and when we rejoice next Sunday morning. And a lot of stuff happens. Be in Scripture. Read it. Understand it. But understand it's all intentional. But do you know what? As a child of God, your life is called to be just as intentional. Amen? Amen. Palm Sunday. He's worth it. He's worth it.